Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Friday, February 4th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Feeling a little uh, jaded by the COVID economy once more. Um, it's happened a couple times over the past two years, but finally got out to go skate shopping last night. I played again sports, just looking for like a nice used outdoor pair. I was thinking I could spend like between one, 200 on like a solid pair that would last me the next 10 years outdoor rink. And I don't worry about the sharpening of going like indoor outdoor, but of course, once arriving, uh, all skates above size, like five were completely sold out. There was nothing even to try on, though on the bright side, the girl helping us was pretty cute, and she rated me a solid nine <laughs> uh, size foot measurement. Okay, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. Uh, and oh, the worst part, uh, I get to work today, and our bosses are like, ah, it's going to be a slow week next week. We're thinking about do- putting together like an outdoor shinny game. So you just got to use your indoor skates. You just got to... Oh, well, they're in Toronto. Oh, that's really tough. Is there anyone that you know that has extra skates or skates in your size? I have a link who is basically friends with the entire McGill uh, Martlets hockey team, that being the women's team. Any of them got some some large feet? Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to make inquiries. Um, I actually asked about our leading scorer and like the best player in Canada's gloves. And apparently they're um, magic and like, she's been using them for five years and covered in duct tape. So that was the first dead end. We're <laughs> still got a couple more routes to pursue. Okay. Uh, that's okay. other than that, been doing pretty well. Got a beer sitting in the snow outside and that minus 20 weather. So really looking forward to that in about five minutes. Nice. Uh, ready to cut out for about 30 seconds to take care of that. How are you doing? Doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, skates are skates, right? No matter what kind of, as long as you get the right size, it's good. Uh, I was trying to get my skates a use today, but we had a really warm day here in London. I don't know if you ever had a, a warm day this week in Montreal, but. Yeah, it was actually like an entire mi- balmy minus 10 the other day. It was wild. Okay, so we actually, we we went up over zero for mm-hmm. a day here and got some rain, snow, and it kind of messed up some of the outdoor skating. So yeah, going to be really cold again tonight, but just needed to let that settle before I able to get on out on the ice to, again. So probably get out tomorrow morning nice and early. The pond right beside my apartment building someone has frozen it over. So it is 30 seconds from my place. I can just go over and go for a skate. Really, really nice. Does kind of remind me a little bit of when we were kids in Toronto, but um, yeah, I've been good. Grinded out another, another week and watched just enough sports to really keep me going. And lots and lots to talk about on today's pod, especially with the extra day, um, now recording on a Friday as opposed to a Thursday. So lots to talk about, including football, hockey, basketball, tennis. The Olympics are underway. Not much to talk about today, but we will check in from time to time as, as those goes on. Um, always cool to see the best of the best perform in sports that you don't typically get to view. Um, 
So that is kind of the opportunity there. But I don't know if you have anything left you really want to chat about before we jumpstart things. I'll admit it actually was minus one the other day. I just thought um, whining about the Montreal cold was a bit funnier. That's it. We can go ahead with the sports now. Awesome. All right. Well, the place that was definitely not cold was El Salvador. A nice, humid, 25 degrees, um, very, very high humidity. You had worries about this Canadian men's national team walking into a hostile environment, um, <laughs> bottles flying down from the stands, riot shield wearing security guards all around the field. Uh, the humidity, of course, a factor after going from the heat in Honduras to the frigid cold in Hamilton back to a very warm climate, how that is going to affect the, the team. But they got some fresh bodies into the starting lineup, uh, including Stefano Eustachio, uh, who looked pretty decent in his 80 minutes of work. And once again, toss out the record books, throw them out the window, incinerate them in the El Salvador sun, like do what you need to do. This team overcomes every obstacle. They remain undefeated. And not only do they remain undefeated, they take another three points out of a tough environment. The first time they have won in El Salvador since 1996, really all these things are quite meaningless at this point. This Canadian team is now locked into at least a fourth spot um, with, with one more point, but it's almost a hundred percent guarantee. They're at least in the top four and have a shot at Qatar. And then it's about a 99% chance that they will be headed to the world cup come the next window, a nine for nine in points in the January window. Uh, Atiba Hutchinson with a shocking goal that deflected off of Eric Zavaleta, off of the back of his body and up over the keeper. I don't know, Max, if you saw that one, but if you haven't, definitely look worth a look. And now they sit top of the table with a four-point cushion over second place U.S., who uh, has games against both Mexico and Panama still left. And this Canadian team with two points guarantees themselves a, a spot in the top four. And then with a win guarantees themselves a spot in the world cup or with three points guarantees themselves a spot in the world cup and their third and, and two of their three games are against Costa Rica and Panama who are kind of in that four and five spot. So if they even just get a draw out of either of those games, they will lock themselves in as well. But at this point, why not go for the top of the table? Put yourself in a great spot to maybe have a chance to make a little bit of noise at the World Cup. Why not, right? If, if you are the top team coming out of your region, you are going to get a more favorable pool, get a couple of weaker teams maybe from in Asia or Europe or in Africa that you could get a win on and, and possibly make this run even more special. That is the goal now. Uh, Jamaica mathematically eliminated is their third game in the next window. So ideally should be a pretty uh, favorable matchup in Canada uh, against a team that may not be sending its best players uh, also near the bottom of the table. So I think there truly is a good chance that this Canadian team 
could finish at the top of the table when all things are said and done in CONCACAF. And it's just really, really special. And if you haven't jumped on the bandwagon now, it is full. People are teetering out the sides. Um, This has the makings of another Toronto Raptors type championship run. But being able to grab in not just one country, but other countries who are who would love to cheer for an underdog, which is what Canada was and now is slowly growing into something maybe a little bit more. Really, really cool stuff for the men's national team. It's almost like everyone is overnight realizing that it's actually a fairly large fish in this not so big pond. Yeah. Uh, once they're in the FIFA though, that narrative completely flipped on its head, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And they go right back being to being the underdog. It is kind of fascinating with these like three games in a week or so stretches, how I'm sure everyone's a pessimist about their own country's chances. Um, Canadians probably know more so than others, but like a week ago it was still like, they could totally fumble this. The U.S. is a tough matchup. Salvador, a tough matchup uh, away, according to history. <laughs> so everyone's still kind of like, oh, this is 50-50, even though they've got this locked up. And just one week later, it's pretty much locked up and guaranteed. Yeah, it was quite a window for the boys without Alfonso Davies yeah. in any of the matches. Um, when he gets back, this team is truly, truly frightening uh, to play again. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been searching for Canadian jerseys to buy now for a couple of months, and whoever is on charge of that really fumbled the bag because you cannot mm. find merchandise anywhere for this team, and it is uh, they are losing out on millions of dollars in revenue right now. Wow, well, I'm sure they can't be so incompetent as to not have that in order in times for FIFA, and there will be millions then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They are, they are going to get the bag. All right. Really exciting. We'll uh, check back in with team Canada in March during the final qualification window and, and hopefully be able to pop some champagne then and have a great time. Um, While one era begins in another sport an era ends a quick last note here in football fan cave, the GOAT, Tom Brady, retiring from the NFL. Um, he says he's retiring. Official retirement speech. We've seen from Brett Favre. That's not always um, a final point, but he is done in the NFL as of right now. Um, the, there are so many people who have said all their stats and have their opinions in the stories. And so I don't want to really pile on that because that's going to fall on deaf ears. But the part that really established his greatness was the fear and the hatred that I had for a player like Tom Brady um, as an opposing fan. Whenever we went up against him, it was fear that he was always going to win because he never lost and hatred when he did win and you're always looking for that angle right deflate gate blew up because people did not want to see the patriots have their success and all of the cheating scandals and the hatred towards brady was because of his success right you're always looking to tear down that level of greatness and yeah even this year with tampa when they were down 27 to 3 against the los angeles rams there was still in the back of your mind it's like He's done it before. He can do it again. He did it. They ended up falling short, but uh, truly, truly one of a kind career. And maybe 
he's up there on the Mount Rushmore of greatest athletes in terms of achievement uh, of all time. I don't want to have a goat goat debate, but um, <laughs> goatist goat. I don't. I don't even want to get into the semantics of how you'd pronounce what we're trying to say. Um, yeah, if we're talking goatist goats, then I guess uh, we could jump right here into no. our uh, Olympic no. update. <laughs> Mikhail Kingsbury. How's that for a, a, a legend? He is pretty consistent. I think he's made 100 podiums now over his career in moguls, which is just stupid. Um, and he obviously very easily qualified for the finals uh, tomorrow in moguls. So looking forward to watch him compete. And then we also have the Canadian women's hockey underway where they were 30, minus 33,000 favorites against team switzerland and uh managed to thump them in in according fashion team japan beating team finland by the way in Ooh. women's hockey an interesting result an interesting result to say the least so that's our uh, a little olympic check-in i guess the next place we're going to move is to our basketball storylines and i'm just trying to figure out where we really want to start here i think the leading story as, as this podcast is Canadian-based, is the Toronto Raptors, who have now consistently grinded out these wins. And they have won six of seven with heavy minutes, and they are playing a tough brand of basketball. Last night against Chicago Bulls, um, DeMar DeRozan showing his pedigree, hitting some late-clutch shots, but... Uh, the Raptors dial up a play. Fred Van Vliet into the lane, missed the layup. Scotty Barnes tips it up and in. And in overtime, they're able to swarm the DeMar, get the ball out of his hands, get the ball out of Zach Levine's hands, force other guys to beat them. And they come away with another huge victory against the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And don't look now. They play Atlanta tonight. They are one and a half games back of the Brooklyn Nets, who play the Utah Jazz tonight. Um, typically that I would actually favor the Utah jazz, but they have been abysmal in the month of January. I think they were two and 11. So, um, the Raptors are right there though. They are currently half a game ahead of the Charlotte Hornets. They sit in the seventh spot, uh, and, and largely in part to the efforts put forth by kind of the six, six guys really that Nick nurse has tightened the rotation to Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent, Scotty Barnes, Pascal, OG, and then uh, Chris Boucher is kind of that sixth who's been getting run. And then you'll see brief cameos from Delano Banton or Precious Achua um, or Justin Champagny. But really, it's those five guys plus Boucher getting heavy, heavy minutes, and it, they are coming through. The chemistry is off the charts for them right now as well. I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about where they're at right now. Brooklyn playing uh, the Jazz, who have been struggling, but the Nets on a six-game losing streak, the biggest in the East, I think. The Raptors' four-game win streak, also the biggest in the East, by the way. Uh, playing Charlotte right after the Hornet, or excuse me, right after the Hawks, who they, they play both those teams again at the end of the month. And between net, uh, finishing up those two matchups now and then those two matchups again, they have a pretty easy run of it against teams like the Thunder, uh, the Pelicans, the Rockets. They've got a matchup in the Nuggets against the Nuggets, which is the toughest one. But like 
if you can beat those other teams in that seven to 10 range, the Nets keep struggling, then you win your bird matchups. They could get into that top six, which has been like an impenetrable spot in the East the past like two months, really. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, while they are having success, a couple other teams are starting to streak, including Atlanta and Boston and Charlotte have all had solid months of January. Mm-hmm. So it's really about treading water and, and seeing if you have an opportunity to overtake a team like Brooklyn that is in free fall. Well, and I, think, I, I think this is the opportunity though. Like you take those, the Celtics, you just are going to stay with you. If they play their best, you can't do anything about that, but you put two wins ahead of the Hornets and the Hawks um, with that. That's like two games ahead. And then you win all your bird matchups. And even if they stay right there with you, that just starts to build that lead. So I think this is that opportunity. Awesome. Awesome. We cannot wait to see it and, and break it down as it happens. Uh, This Raptors team, really, really fun team to watch. And one of the guys on this Raptors team getting a big honor last night, Fred Van Vliet from undrafted to all-star. It's, it's an amazing story. Um, In 2016 signed a deal as an undrafted free agent and really just worked harder than anyone else to be where he is today. And so completely deserves it. So proud of Freddie Um, have loved watching him mature and be get, he got one finals MVP vote back in 2019 in in their championship run Uh, well-deserved with his big shots. And so cool to see him do it at his size, at his, resume um and just an inspiration for other guys like him making their way into the nba trying to make a name for themselves other news in terms of all-stars uh chris middleton gets in over Lamelo ball uh miles bridges jared allen and pascal siakam that one's a one where you do really see the the influence of coaches come through because it was a coach vote and they tend to stick a little bit more in the past than what is happening this season and rely on what they've seen over years. Uh, It's probably the main reason why James Harden got in so easily. I mean, he has been putting up decent stats, but it just, it doesn't feel the same with him. Uh, But he's an all-time great in terms of offensive production. So it's hard to leave him off the ballot. And then I guess the last point on the Raptors that I really wanted to touch on, and, and we'll, we'll say one last thing, and then it'll allow us to transition into some of the news today, but uh, Masai Ujiri turned Grievous Vasquez into a first-round pick and, and Norman Powell, essentially. And that first-round pick ended up being OG Ananobi. And then he went and flipped Norman Powell for Gary Trent Jr., which is really an awesome trade tree, like couple steel trades there. Norman Powell, obviously love him to death, but you've turned back the clock a little bit with Gary Trent and he's just as great a shot maker and if not a, a better defender. So really, really great stuff from Masai to turn Grievous Vasquez into OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. Meanwhile, on the flip side, <laughs> the... Portland Trailblazers have turned Gary Trent Jr. and two first-round picks into Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a future second-round pick. 
which is kind of the end result of the trade that happened today between the Blazers receiving all of those assets from the Los Angeles Clippers. And they send Norman Powell and Robert Covington in the other direction. Um, my first reaction to this trade is if I'm Damian Lillard, it's time to go. Uh, this team is in full tank mode now. Bledsoe and Justice Winslow. I thought Winslow was still with the Grizzlies. I didn't know he was on the Clippers. Like two guys with no spacing at all for Lillard, um, and and just kind of haven't aren't aren't going to be pieces that are going to improve a team dramatically. Um, more of salary filler, if anything. And then Keon Johnson, a first round pick. He's got some explosiveness. I liked him out of Tennessee, but still not necessarily the high value asset that you'd be looking for, for trading guys like Norman Powell and Robert Covington at the trade deadline. I think they probably could have done a little bit better, but then if you're the Clippers really interesting that they're trading for kind of win now type players, it obviously signals that they are confident that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George will be back in time for the playoffs. So they are going to try and make a run into this play in tournament, a uh, big win for them against the Lakers last night. But even if not, I guess it's a way for them to continue to prove to Kawhi and PG that they are committed to winning and, and building a really solid team. So uh, an interesting trade going down today. This team does get incredibly wing depth heavy once Kawhi and Paul George come back and Powell and, Covington are kind of off the bench defensive scoring spacers, or maybe you run like a big small ball lineup where your three guys can all handle the ball, but you don't have, well, you've still got like some bigs to throw in there at the five, but I'm just, my mind is like fascinated with, with all the combinations you can throw uh, Paul George and Kawhi with Powell and Covington for depth and always having defenders on the floor spacing um, create your own shot type players but I don't really know what the status of their injuries are at this point yeah you could see a potential lineup of Reggie Jackson Norman Powell Kawhi Paul George and Robert Covington out on the floor um, you could replace Covington with a Zubac or Marcus Morris um, yeah definitely a ton of options that they can go to with this deal and again proving to those two guys who now what, this is the third year of their run in Los Angeles and haven't achieved as much as they would have liked to. This is that prove it moment from the organization saying you guys should probably stick around and not leave because we are still committed to, to throwing out the future and winning now. I mean, ever since Paul George signed the extension, I've been pretty confident Kawhi will in his time, but uh, I, I just don't know where else he'd go. Like, I know everyone would love to have him, but um, I don't, we'll see. We'll save, we'll save that for free agency. We'll save that for free agency. All right, last bit of basketball news here. Uh, I wanted to highlight, we did get the All-Stars. Everyone's seen those, but I did want to shout out our boys, Scotty Barnes and Precious Achua for making the Rising Stars Challenge. And Max, just taking a look at some of the players here, how can you not be intrigued to catch a little bit of this? Because the, the difference between the Rising Stars and the All-Star game is that these guys may actually try in the games. And because it's, a, it's not a timed game, it's a game to a certain number, they actually do have to score and defend. It's not like they can just 
do cardio up and down the court and let the clock run out, there will have to be some competitiveness. Mm -hmm. And when you've got guys like Anthony Edwards and Desmond Bain and Sadiq Bey and Io DeSumo and Mobley and Barnes, like a lot of these kids, they compete when they step on the floor. They don't, they don't take nights off. And so I'm really, really excited to see some of these matchups, like a Cade Cunningham going up against LaMelo Ball or a Josh Giddy going up against a Tyrese Halliburton. Like I just, it, there's going to be some really interesting combinations of players. And then of course the big name coming out of the G League Ignite that everyone should have their eyes on is Jaden Hardy. He is a projected top five draft pick in the upcoming NBA draft. So if you want to get an early look at him and how he competes against some of the star young talent in the NBA, definitely an awesome opportunity that I really love this piece to it because it's a way for the NBA G league to continue to recruit some of these top, top stars uh, to their program, as opposed to going to college or to the overtime league is you can offer them, Hey, this weekend you get to play and compete against actual NBA players, which no other organization can really offer the players at that stage in their in their early career uh, so a cool moment definitely will tune into a little bit of that um, but the festivities I will not be tuning into probably all-star game and then on the NHL side the all-star skills competition just got underway at the time of recording the podcast I, I don't intend on watching any of that um, the NHL is a long way to go to match the NBA in terms of the spectacle regarding the all-star game um, they are trying their best. They've got skills competition, uh, events lined up all around the city of Las Vegas. I think they're doing one on the Bellagio pond and, and some, uh, blackjack related events. I haven't read too much into it. It, it sounds okay, but not enticing enough. And so the check-in here with Talking Hockey really with the All-Star break now in full effect is, is uh, maybe just a, a bit of a look back on the Leafs last week of, uh, uh, before the All-Star break where they get a, another comeback win, this time against the New Jersey Devils. And when it was 4-2 going into the third, I felt honestly pretty confident, which was a weird spot to be in. But the Devils team is just brutal defensively and then we saw that the next night in New Jersey where the Leafs just ran their show up and down the ice uh, Matthews Marner Bunting just operating on a different plane of existence than the New Jersey Devils that night um, a little worried about Tavares and Nylander's lack of jumping in on the action on a night where it seemed like all the Leafs were buzzing but they get a break now to reset and refocus for the stretch run. And then a really great win to have for Jack Campbell, a night where he doesn't get too much uh, sent his way. He did have one spectacular save, but a nice little confidence booster growing by the fact that he is an all-star, will be competing this weekend. Um, so nice to get him in his mojo uh, before the stretch run as well. But we will see a lot of him and Mrazic sharing the net as the Leafs do have a, a pretty high number of games for the month of February after the all-star break. Um, so the process throw it out this week against the devils, a pretty weak team, but you get your four points, which is nice and really focus on tightening things up towards the stretch run. And obviously the trade deadline in about a month will be a big, big day for the Leafs and, and we'll follow them when that happens. But until then, 
anything else you really want to add on the Leafs for talking hockey? No, I went for a run on a treadmill the other day and slowly just kept uh, ramping up the speed because I've made myself throw up on treadmills before by pushing it too fast too soon and trying to maintain the sprint. Um, But just as I, I got closer and closer to that time where we had the gym booked and in I kept bringing it up, bringing it up, but there was kind of like a, a, I think I gave myself 30 minutes and at the 15 mark found myself pretty bored until about the 25 minute mark when it got to full sprint. And that's kind of where the NHL season is for me. Like we've got to keep picking up the tempo, picking up the intensity, tightening up the screws, but there's still long enough away to play off for playoffs. that I can't quite get excited about it yet. Sounds fair. Sounds fair. (laughs) a sport you are excited about though that is in full swing is tennis so max walk us through this uh upcoming tournament in rotterdam an atp 500 series Uh, i know you've got some notes for this one yeah i'll try and do it without any ridiculously long and unnecessary metaphors as well i was gonna do like a wrap-up autopsy for the australian open but Most of it was just talking about how each player did and what they needed to do next to progress their game. And an easier way to do that is just preview the 500 draws as they come. Uh, February kind of builds up to March, which will have two 1,000 level hardcore events. So I'm hoping to just follow all the big names, catch any upsets in the month of February and kind of know where we stand when all those top dogs re-enter the same stage. Though the Rotterdam ATP 500 event got quite a nice collection of players. Gonna run through a bunch of them uh, sort of in order of the draw mostly. And then I'll pull up the draw and uh, talk players' chances a little. Starting out with the number one seed at the top, Stefano Tsitsipas, uh, after losing to Medvedev in the Australian Open, um, a player of his caliber at this stage. It's really at finals or bust for him. Um, in the right seed, he'll have to play a couple of tough matchups to make the finals, just one or two, though, and against players he should be beating. So anything less than finals for Stefanos, a bit of a bust. Uh, next, we get to the Polish Herkaz, who's um, after a disappointing kind of start to the year. He didn't play great at the ATP Cup, lost in the second round to Manorino in the Australian He's got to at least make it to another seeded player. I'm pretty sure that will be Shapovalov, who's also uh, in that top side of the draw, seeded fifth in the tournament. My expectations, despite the higher lower seeding, are higher. I think he should be able to beat Hubert. I want to see him at least make it to Stefano Stitsipas. He's not a regular in these 250-500 level finals only made uh, three in his career and only won the Stockholm one once back in 2019. So I'm not expecting him to beat Tsitsipas just to make it there and put up a tough fight. Uh, he's not at that win consistently level yet, but if you're going to lose, you've got to be losing to the best. So you're getting the most experience and learning out of it. For Felix, I think he's might have the toughest lineup in this whole draw after the first round every win is potentially going to be a 
tough one to get uh Murray potentially in his second round and then I think uh Nori or Karatsev maybe in the third it just keeps going for him Rublev would be in the fourth so I don't really know what I'm expecting out of Felix, but with such a gauntlet of a lineup, just playing this is going to be healthy for him. Every win's going to be tough. He's going to have to battle against a bunch of tricky opponents, each bringing different things. So you just got to feel like the farther he goes, the more he's going to gain from this and cheer from him. Um, he's made it to many more finals than Chapo, but he's never won a set in any finals that wasn't the ATP Cup. So that's going to be a storyline every time we talk about Felix in any event until that happens. Uh, this is a pretty tough one to make it happen, though. Hoping to see that Rublev matchup that we didn't get to see in the Australian Open Finals. For the man Rublev himself, same as Tsitsipas, he's second seed. So really a cut above the rest of the players on his half of the draw. Uh, finals are bust for Andre. Then Cam Norrie, the sixth seed, had a really rough start to 2022. He's only won one set over the four matches he's played this uh, 2022, which means he's, of course, lost them all. Three of those were tough at the ATP Cup, actually losing to Felix, as well as Alex Severev and Taylor Fritz. Um, but the first round upset to Sebastian Corda that saw him follow a break at the start of every single set. Um really disappointing for him he called it his worst match in the last eight months so that first win is going to be huge for him and then we'll see where we go from there a better start to 2022 came for andy murray uh, he's seeded as a wild card in this he'd face felix in the second round if they both win their first round matchups uh, you really never know with him he made it to the finals of that sydney cup early at the start and second round of uh yeah the australian open just a player to keep the eye on aslan karatsev i think in his second or third round he would go up against rublev tough matchup for sure but he always feels like a dark horse even though he definitely had a breakout year last year but if he beats Rublev, he kind of becomes my favorite to take the tournament just because he's that kind of player who once he gets the momentum, it really starts going for him. And then last of the seeded at number eight, the Georgian Basilashvi, kind of like Nori, hasn't won a match yet this year, and he's lost to Andy Murray twice. It's pretty unlikely they see each other in this draw, but uh, that would be a really fun trilogy in less than two months of the calendar year. Last quick look around outside of Rotterdam, Alex Zverev playing the 250 level Montpellier event in France, um, smashing through his first two opponents, uh, hardly dropping a game in that second one against Manorino. So looking back in form after that disappointing loss for him at Shapovalov, him just looking to get a couple tune-ups in before the big 1000 level events. Uh, so Good to see the level of play back against a bit lower opponents than Chapo. And then uh, Monfi, going to end with him. He has his first disappointing loss of the season after going all the way to the finals. Or did he win that 250 level Sydney Cup? 
and then uh, making it to the quarters of the Australian Open. Uh, he loses in the second round at Montpellier against the Swedish Ymer. A little disappointing there, but be fun to follow how Monfi continues to do. And yeah, I don't know if this will be, uh, the Rotterdam one will be underway as of Sunday or it starts this coming Monday, but definitely looking forward to tracking it over the next week or so. And you'll hear more about that one uh, in the next couple pods. Till then, that's going to wrap up this tennis talk. Awesome. And that is going to actually wrap up the podcast as well. So thank you everyone so much for listening. Appreciate it. Hope you enjoy the all-star festivities happening in Vegas with the NHL and the NBA action this weekend. And then the Pro Bowl in the NFL is on Sunday. So lots of all-star stuff in action right now. It's it's kind of the headlining story uh, of the week, but it's a nice break for us to regather ourselves and get set for the stretch run of things before the playoffs. Obviously, the Super Bowl next weekend. Cannot wait for that game. And really, this is this is a good time to get yourself ready for the, the stretch of things because we got a little bit of a, a lull this weekend and then we're go, go, go. Um, things are opening back up here in Ontario. Lock, lockdown lifted on, on Monday, so maybe a couple of uh, excursions this weekend are, are on the table. Looking forward to that, but I don't know. Max, anything else you really want to talk about before we send these folks off into their weekend? All-star games are bullshit. Sports Next Door, signing out.